Hello, everybody. It is Michael back with another episode of Under Pressure Podcast. Really appreciate you guys' support. If you're watching on YouTube, make sure to leave a like. If you're listening on any audio platform, uh, make sure to download. If you're watching on YouTube, make sure to uh, to subscribe. Subscribe to the Clips channel. And yeah, let's get right into it. First thing I will talk about today is my top 10 point guards in the NBA. Okay, so first I'm going to start off... Uh, for with some honorable mentions of guys that I didn't think deserved to make the list, but I did think deserved an honorable mention and had really good seasons last year. First, starting off with Spencer Dinwiddie of the Brooklyn Nets. He had a great 2020 NBA season. Uh, he averaged over 20 points, nearly 7 assists. Uh, efficiency was a little poor. The 3-point shot definitely wasn't there as much for him. Uh, but still a really, really nice season for him. His playmaking was a lot better. Uh, the scoring was really impressive. And I'll be very interested to see what the Brooklyn Nets end up doing with Spencer Dinwiddie because he's clearly a very, very talented player who is a good scorer, uh, even though his three-point shot hasn't really been there uh, for these past couple of years, to be honest. Uh, it did show some potential at some points, so if he could start hitting those, he could be even better. Uh, he's very good at getting to the line, gets to the line seven times a game, and overall he's just a valuable asset with the good contract he's on. So it'll be interested to see if they want to keep him as the backup for Kyrie Irving, especially with uh, Kyrie Irving's long uh, history of injuries. It would make sense for them to keep a very, very quality point guard behind him who can also play combo guard. He is a guy who's played shooting guard as well. Uh, so I'll be definitely interested to see what happens with him because I think he could go on another team and be a lead guard and be one of the better guards uh, in the NBA just because he's a very, very talented player. But he could also just be a backup on this Brooklyn Nets team or sometimes come in and be a starter at that point guard or shooting guard spot. He has nice versatility, nice size, and I just like Spencer Dinwiddie a lot. Uh, next, we got Fred Van Vliet, another player who came off a great season last year. Uh Averaged 17.6 points, 6.6 assists. Is a really underrated playmaker, one of the better playmakers in the league. Uh, was in a bit of a limited role just because he was playing uh, with another one of the better point guards uh, that we'll see later on this list in Kyle Lowry. Uh, but when whenever Kyle Lowry would miss some time, he would come in and play that point guard role really well. Or when Kyle Lowry uh, was still playing, he'd play the shooting guard role well. And he is uh, definitely undersized, but a very scrappy defender at only 6'1", about 200 pounds. He still competes on that end. Uh, one of the better three-point shooters in the league, especially with the volume he shot them on last year. Shot 6.9 a game and uh, nearly shot 40, uh, 40%. The two-point shot could definitely work. I'd love to see him uh, get a better floater game, become better as a finisher. Uh, but he's definitely going to get paid this offseason with him being a very, very efficient offensive player, with him being a, a good playmaker, and with him still being a younger guy. He's only 25, and all he's done every single year is just show improvement and become a better player. He uh, became a full-time starter this year when he was uh, last year and in years uh, previous, a player that would come off the bench and would maybe start some games. He really established himself this year. And like I said, I think he's in for a big payday this offseason. A team like the Knicks, a team like the Detroit Pistons, who could definitely use uh, some savvy guard play uh, and would still get a young guy in Fred Van Vliet. I think either of those uh, would be willing to pay him a big contract, and he definitely deserves it after the great season he's come off of. 
Uh, next, for honorable mentions, we got D'Angelo Russell. Definitely had a bit of a weird season uh, where he was playing with two of the worst teams in the entire league. Uh, first starting off with the Golden State Warriors and then traded to the Minnesota Timberwolves. Uh, so we definitely didn't get to see his impact as much, especially when he was on the Timberwolves and Carl Anthony Towns was injured. Uh, but just in the box score and what we know from D'Angelo Russell, he deserves to be an honorable mention on this list. Uh, it's actually coming off a very underrated season, even though, like I said, he played for two of the worst teams. So it kind of makes sense that people wouldn't pay attention to him as much. But he did average 23 points, uh, six assists, almost 37% from three, and uh, just had another very good season. Uh he was just super, super solid this year. The defense is something that I'm always going to worry about, especially I like my point guard to at least uh, be capable on that end. And he has the size, but it just doesn't seem like he uh, has the defensive effort or the defensive IQ to really put all the things together. But he's a great pick-and-roll player. That's something that he's always been really impressive in that end. His floater game is one of the best in the entire league, which is something that I value a lot out of my point guard. He's one of the better three-point shooters as a point guard. Uh, he can hit that step back sometimes. He's really good uh, shooting threes off the pick and roll. Uh, a very good playmaker. Uh, and his ability to shoot floaters, his ability uh, to finish, definitely uh, helps that. I would like to see him be a little more aggressive when attacking the basket, though, as he historically has never attempted uh, many free throws. Uh, he did take a step in that this year, averaging the most in his career with him averaging 4.4. And he's pretty efficient uh, from the line as well. And overall, I'm just really excited to see him and Carl Anthony Towns play together because even though uh, they'll make one of the worst uh, point, point guard and center defensive duos in the league, they will be a deadly uh, dynamic offensive duo. And I think they'll uh, both help each other a lot because... Carl Anthony Towns setting a screen for a guy like D'Angelo Russell, who's so dynamic on the offensive end, and Carl Anthony Towns being one of the greatest big men we've ever seen uh, touch an NBA floor is going to be really exciting to see, especially with Carl Anthony Towns' ability to shoot the three, uh, the best shooting big man in the league, uh, probably the best shooting big man of all time already. He shoots over eight three-pointers a game and shoots an incredibly high clip on them, so overall I'm just really looking forward to this next season. Uh, of the Minnesota Timberwolves. I hope they dis don't disappoint, and I hope we'll see a good season from D'Angelo Russell. The next honorable mention, we got De'Aaron Fox, another player coming off a very underrated season, as with the Kings having some struggles and with De'Aaron Fox uh, being injured for a little bit this season, he definitely didn't get as much recognition as he did last year, uh, but he still had a great season. Uh, coming off a 21-point-per-game season, 6.8 assists, 48% for the field. Three-point shot definitely took a big dip, uh, which was a bit disappointing to see. As last year, he, uh, even though it was on limited attempts, shot much better at 37%. And on more attempts, he shot only 29% this season. But we all know Darren Fox, one of the fastest players in the entire league, uh, can just get out on that fast break with ease and burn anyone up the court. Very solid in the pick and roll. Uh, just with that speed, he could burst to the basket with ease. And he's also a really, really good passer. I think that's a pretty underrated aspect of his game as he consistently averages uh, like seven assists around there uh, for the past two years. And overall, I mean, he just came off a nice season. I really like Aaron Fox. I like the defense he brings a lot. Uh, like I said, when he get, is able to get those steals and uh, get, in, uh, to, 
the fast break area. He's deadly, and he's a very solid half-court player. I would just like to see that three-point shot become more consistent because if it does, we're really going to have to put him in this conversation of being a solidified top-ten player. And I hope the Kings can build well around him because De'Aaron Fox is one of my favorite players to watch in the league. He's super exciting. And this Kings uh, last season was really disappointing. We may be seeing a Buddy Heel trade, uh, which would definitely be interesting. It'll be interesting to see what they uh, do with Bogdan Bogdanovich. They got a lot of moves to make, but they do have a solidified uh, franchise player in De'Aaron Fox. And he'll be good for them for many, many years to come. Uh, another honorable mention, we got John Morant coming off an incredible rookie season where uh, he really defeated the odds and nearly led a Grizzlies team that many predicted to be one of the worst teams in the entire league to the playoffs. Uh, well, in the first place, I do think it was kind of ridiculous that people expected this Grizzlies team to be so bad because Jaron Jackson Jr. is super underrated. And then uh, with John Morant having the season he did have, it shouldn't have been a super big surprise, especially when they had nice role players like Jay Crowder on their team for a good portion of the year. But yeah, John Morant had an incredible season, averaged almost 18 points, 7 assists, uh, just so many flashy plays, uh, so many beautiful passes, is one of the most athletic point guards in the NBA, which we can see in those incredible uh, dunks or almost dunks. He was a real closer for this team, too. We saw multiple times where he closed out the game for them uh, in games uh, like the game against the Phoenix Suns where he dunked on Aaron Baines. We saw that game against the Houston Rockets where he was hitting threes like crazy and outdueled James Harden in the game. Just overall a really, really impressive season from John Morant. I uh, would definitely like to see the three-point shot uh, become more consistent as he shoots one of the lowest volumes uh, as a starting point guard in the league and still doesn't shoot a great percentage at around only 34%. Uh, but like I said, very, very athletic player. Uh, phenomenal passer. That's something that we all knew he was going to come into the league and be great at, and he just uh, proved how good he is as a passer. Uh, would maybe like to see the turnovers get cut down a little bit, but that's a starting point guard who has the ball in his hand as much as he, as he does. And with him being a rookie, you definitely expect that. But just overall, such an impressive season from John Morant. What he was able to do as a leader and then uh, just what he was able to do on the court was so impressive, especially as a rookie. I expect John Morant to have a huge season next year, and I definitely would not be surprised at all if he's a solidified top 10 point guard in the league for me next year. Uh, my last honorable mention, this one uh, going into the year, I definitely wouldn't have expected, but my honorable mention is Kemba Walker. Definitely had a very weird season for the Boston Celtics as he had some streaks where he was looking like one of the best point guards in the NBA. And I think the leadership he does bring to the Celtics is very valuable. But just on the court, he definitely had a bit of a lackluster season. Uh, still averaged over 20 points, nearly 5 assists, shot 38% from 3, which was the thing that was definitely most impressive from him uh, this season, was his ability to shoot that good of a percentage on a high clip uh, like he did with him shooting 8.43s a game that was definitely impressive uh, and his playmaking even though he's never going to be a great passer he's decent enough as a passer uh, like I said the three-point shooting is really impressive and he was a lot of the times the closer for the Boston Celtics but we saw uh, multiple multiple games in the playoffs where he was very lackluster and was incredibly uh, disappointing for sure that was uh, the thing that definitely had me a little bit worried about. 
uh, Kemba Walker and made me a little bit down on him with him averaging only 19.6 points. Uh, the three ball was really not hitting for him, and that was the thing that worried me the most was him shooting only 31% after having such a great uh, three-point shooting year. The knee was something that definitely was, uh, could have been bothering him and was something that was a nagging injury for a long time. So hopefully he can get that under wraps, and hopefully he can just become more consistent. Obviously, he really doesn't bring much on the defensive end, even though I feel like he's a little bit underrated on that end because at least he uh, puts in the effort that a lot of players aren't willing to. But just with the size, with him being only six foot, uh, about 185 pounds, he's never going to be a great defender. But if he can continue to be that leader for the Celtics, can continue to be that closer, and if he's just more consistent next year, then he'll be higher on my list. I just, again, need to see more consistency uh, and need to see him be better in the playoffs because at the end of the day, that's where it really matters. Uh, moving on to the top 10, at the number 10 spot, we got Jamal Murray coming off of an incredible playoff run that definitely boosted him way up the ranks. I would barely have him probably in the top 15 area before, but after that playoff run, uh, it's impossible not to have him in the top 10 for me. He did have a solid regular season of averaging about 18.5, and a half, four and 5, uh, but it was a little bit underwhelming. Uh, after him getting the massive contract extension that he did end up getting, uh, his three-point shot was something that definitely disappointed me. As we all uh, we all understood the talent he had as a three-point shooter, but he never really increased the volume too much, even with him playing increased minutes and getting increased touches. And uh, the efficiency really wasn't there as much as he wanted to be. The playmaking is something that he's just all right at. He's not uh, nothing special at. But he would have these flashes and these moments where he could show he could be one of the better point guards in the league. Because he goes off sometimes in these games. And we really saw in the playoffs him be consistently going off and being one of the better point guards in the league. I need to see him be more consistent for sure. And that's why I don't have him higher. Some player, uh, Some people will have him really high and overrate him i've seen people on twitter talking about he's better than jason tatum i saw someone say he's better than luka Doncic. that's overrating him so much but he did have an incredible playoff run and i gotta give him props for that as he was very good in the playoffs uh, last year as well but he really took it up to another level in this one with him averaging 26 and a half points and the thing that was most impressive is we saw his three-point shot completely unlocked. He shot 7.2 per game and shot over 45%. Uh, we really saw those crazy step-back threes that I think uh, rise him to another level. Is If he can hit those off-the-dribble uh, sidestep threes, step-back threes, uh, off the pick and roll where he's just quickly curling around the screen and taking the three, that will make him such more of a dynamic player. And something that was very impressive as well is that we really saw his playmaking improve a ton. He made some passes that we definitely wouldn't have uh, seen the old Jamal Murray make. And I think it just comes with all the confidence that he was gaining as a shooter uh, and as a scorer overall. Uh, he would get more attention on himself as well. So it allowed him uh, to make really, really good passes. And overall, I'm just super impressed by Jamal Murray's uh, playoff run. But I need to see him... Uh, he doesn't even have to put up that uh, volume. Because if he averages 26.5 points per game on over 40% from three, he's one of the best point guards in the entire league, no question. But if I could see him have a season where he's, uh, say, even averaging 22.5 to 23 points, 
maybe shooting 37% from three on about six and a half attempts. Uh, he definitely deserves a spot if he can do something like that. And then again, rise his game up in the playoffs. But an incredible season that Jamal Murray's uh, coming off of really proved that he's worth that contract, even though it was questionable in the moment. And when it looked like he didn't improve much during the season, uh, it was definitely questionable. But maybe something uh, during that quarantine really changed him. Uh, maybe his mindset changed, and we definitely saw him become a much better player and really rise to a whole nother level. So, yeah, shout out to Jamal Murray coming off a great season. Have him ranked as my number 10 point guard in the NBA. Uh, next, we're going to be talking about Trey Young, my number nine point guard in the NBA, one of the most dynamic offensive players in the entire league. Uh, he came off an incredible season, averaged 29.6 points, 9.3 uh, assists, uh, 36% from three. Just such a good season from Trey Young. Uh, the only thing you have to worry about is his defense, though, and that is something that's going to be a problem throughout his entire career because he's a player who. Uh, is relied on heavily on the offensive end, especially uh, this season for the Hawks, as he was basically their only creator. I would love to see them get another creator next to Trey Young so he could be used more off-ball, because uh, I think that would really unlock his game, because that's what makes Steph Curry so great. And obviously they have comparisons, even though I don't think it's a great comparison, as Trey Young is more of a Steve Nash type player. But he could get the same looks that Steph Curry does where he's running off ball on screens. And I think that would really unlock his uh, offensive game and make him a way more efficient player, even if he's not averaging as many points. And that could also allow him to put a little more effort on the defensive end. But at the, at the end of the day, it's going to be tough for him on that side of the ball just due to him being 6'1", only 180 pounds. He's just a super small player. And like I said, he's not going to be able to put that effort in when he's being relied on so much offensively. But, yeah, he had a great season. Uh, what impressed me a lot and something that I feel like went super under the radar was his ability to get to the free throw line this season. He only got to the line five times last year, for, which for as a rookie is very good. But he got to the line 9.3 times this year, uh, which is something that I think is a very underrated part of basketball as a whole because that just makes you such more of an efficient player, even though it can be frustrating with guys like James Harden who really, like, bait uh, for fouls and stuff like that. Uh, at the end of the day, it does help you be a much better offensive player. He put on some muscle last year, and that definitely helped his finishing ability. He's another player who has a great floater game. And then his passing is something that I feel like, even though a lot of people know how good of a passer he is, I feel like it still goes under the radar because you see those crazy three-point shots he hits where he hits them from the logo, and you see his uh, very good ball handling. But a lot of times his great passing goes underrated because he's truly one of the best passers in the entire league uh, with him just throwing so many beautiful passes, uh, especially in the pick-and-roll. He works phenomenal out of the pick-and-roll. And if he can start winning some games... Uh, if the Hawks can uh, find a way to hide him on defense a little bit more, uh, he'll definitely raise up in my rankings as the top 10 point guards. But for now, he's still a second-year player, uh, still a player on a very bad team. But I think this Hawks team has potential next year, and I think as long as they have a good draft, uh, they're going to be a very, very solid team. So I'm looking forward to the future of Trey Young. He's going to be one of the best point guards in the league. And I have him ranked 9 this year, but he'll definitely be uh, on its way up in the future for sure. Number 8, I have Kyle Lowry. Now, even though his uh, stats are not nearly as incredible as Trey Young's, uh, he doesn't have nearly as many beautiful flat 
uh, flashy plays that Trey Young does. He is still coming off a very good season, and I feel like an incredibly underrated one. He averaged 19.4 points, 5 rebounds, 7.5 assists, uh, and was a very solid three-point shooter this year, shooting 8 a game and shooting 35%. Now, that's nothing special. Uh, but that's still a very, very high volume of three-point shots to take. He was going off at the beginning of this year. Uh, at a certain point, he was averaging like 25. Definitely cooled down. Was dealing with uh, some nagging injuries here or there. But still came off a great season. Uh, him and Fred Van Vliet make one of the most dynamic backcourts. And I, I think uh, him having such a good playmaker next to Fred Van Vliet kind of overshadows and makes his playmaking a little underrated. Because uh, he is truly one of the best playmakers in the league. Uh, he's a guy who last year, when he was the full-time uh, ball handler, averaged 8.7 assists. He still averaged 7.5 this year, which is so impressive because Fred Van Vliet nearly averaged 7. And yeah, he's just coming off an incredible season. Uh, is one of the better point guard defenders in the whole league for sure. Uh, super scrappy on that side of the ball. And we really saw his impact uh, in the playoffs against the Boston Celtics where he willed the Raptors to some of those games he's definitely the best player on uh, that team and uh, even in a stacked position like the point guard position with him being an older player uh, he's still one of the better ones in the league and it's just really his playoffs that impressed me a ton the box score may not be super impressive his three-point shot definitely was struggling uh, which is something you could see pretty evidently uh, in that uh, series against the Celtics but he just does all the little intangible things that truly lead uh, to winning basketball. And that's what you got to love about Kyle Lowry. He's going to be the guy who dives on the floor for a loose ball. He's going to be the guy to take a charge. He uh, is one of the best at taking charges in the whole league. And uh, that's something that can really help a team. And it just gets other players in foul trouble, uh, gets them more possessions. He was even getting some huge rebounds against the Celtics. He plays way bigger than he actually is. And I'm uh, just a big supporter of Kyle Lowry. I really think he's very underrated, and I think he is a phenomenal point guard. Uh, he is one of the better uh, older age point guards in the entire league, probably only behind Chris Paul. And yeah, just coming off a great season, I really like Kyle Lowry. And I just think he is very indicative to winning basketball. Uh, number seven, this may be one that some people get very frustrated at. I do have Russell Westbrook as my number seventh point guard in the entire league. Uh, it's a very stacked position. Russell Westbrook is still a top 20 player in the league. Uh, but just because of how stacked the position is, for me, I have to have him at the number seven spot. Uh, he did come off a really good regular season uh, with him averaging 27 points, about 8 rebounds and 7 assists. He was truly unlocked when they uh, did the full small ball. And he had that crazy month of February where he averaged over 33 points. Uh, and even though he's going to be a great regular season player who leads to regular season wins and can lead to playoff wins at some points, uh, for me... I just don't believe he is an impactful enough player in the playoffs. And we've seen multiple times in a row where he's just had playoff series where he's fallen apart. And I know he's dealt with nagging injuries. I know he came off of COVID-19 uh, this year, and that definitely hurts him. 
Uh, but at the end of the day, sometimes he's just got to play better basketball. And most importantly, he's got to make better decisions in these crunch time moments. He has so many times where he just makes a terrible decision that makes you scratch your head. And the three-point shot is obviously something that just isn't good at all. He shot about 26% from three. Uh, did limit the attempts a little bit, uh, especially when the small ball was a thing. He uh, definitely showed a maturity in his ability to stop shooting threes a little bit. But he still shot 3.7, which is way too much for a shooter at the caliber he is, with him being one of the worst shooters, uh, especially high volume, that the NBA has ever seen. Uh, defensively, he's a player who is very, very poor on that end. Uh, it's not even just a lack of effort. I think it's a lot of times a lack of awareness uh, with him not understanding uh, the right thing to do. A lot of the time he goes for really bad off-ball steals that can put him in bad position. Uh, a lot of time he just gets super lost off-ball. And that's something on the offensive end that I need to see improved as well. His off-ball ability is terrible. A lot of the times he's way too content with just standing around and watching James Harden do his thing. And with how athletic he is, uh, I'd love to see him cut to the basket more. And just overall, I don't think he's a skillful enough player for me to have uh, my full belief in a guy like Russell Westbrook. A uh, very talented player, a top 50 player of all time. Uh, the Probably the most athletic pl uh, point guard we've ever seen touch an NBA floor. But at a certain point, that athleticism doesn't mean much when you're making terrible mental mistakes and you're not showing up in the playoffs. Uh, like like I said, he was dealing with some things during this playoffs that were unfortunate for him for sure, but he averaged uh, under 18 points per game. Uh, he shot 42% from the field, 24% from three. Like last year, he averaged about 23 points per game. Uh, he shot 36% from the field last year. He, shot, he hasn't shot uh, over like 45% uh, in his career since 2010 in the playoffs like that's terrible with him shooting under 43 percent uh for uh since 2013 he's just consistently underperformed in the playoffs and i think when a team really has time to hone in on westbrook and uh force him to either make the right basketball decision or force him to take jump shots we really see that expose him and we saw that um uh, it stood out most in the Lakers series for sure, where when they were doubling James Harden, Russell Westbrook had no clue what to do. So even though he's a t uh, one of the most talented players that the league has seen, and he's a great player who uh, is great in the regular season, until I see him step up in the playoffs, I can't continue to just try and put this delusional belief in Russell Westbrook anymore. So that's why he's my number seven point guard in the NBA. Number six, we have Kyrie Irving, who's coming off a very, very weird season uh, due to him only playing 20 games. But I feel like he, uh, those games do go a little bit underrated because he was incredible in those games. Nearly a 50-40-90 player with him averaging 27, uh, nearly 27.5 points, nearly 6.5 assists on 47.8% of the field, 39.4% from three, and 92.2% from the line. Uh, obviously, he's a very poor defender, uh, and he's a player who's dealt with injuries multiple times in his career, which is something I'm definitely concerned about with the Brooklyn Nets next season, is just how uh, him and Kevin Durant do stay healthy, But uh, and he uh, may be a locker room cancer. Uh, that's up to your interpretation. I think he, 
uh, he's a guy who a lot of times has the right idea but just doesn't uh, say things the right way and uh, sometimes he just is too comfortable with talking to the media because he needs to realize at a certain point they're going to take things out of context. They're going to try and do things to hurt his reputation. Uh, But he is one of the most talented offensive players I've ever seen. And just overall as an offensive player, he is really, really up there. Just pound per pound skill. He is absolutely incredible. His finishing ability with either hands is truly special uh his acrobatic finishes are just absolutely ridiculous he can finish over anybody in the league and do it in a just beautiful way he's obviously one of uh if not i'd have him the best ball handler of all time i think it's not even close even though there's uh, been great ball handlers in the past with guys like Allen Iverson. Uh, Kyrie Irving truly brings it to a whole nother level. Uh, his ball handling is truly special. Uh, allows him to get open with ease. He's a phenomenal mid-range shooter. His three-point shooting ability is ridiculous with him in most seasons being a near 40 or over 40% three-point shooter. Other than 2016 where he definitely had a down year as a shooter with him shooting only 32%. Uh, he shot... Uh, 36% as his next lowest, and then basically everything else is 39% and above, and that's incredible, especially with the volume he takes them on. He took uh, 7.1 a game last year and shot nearly 39%. Uh, his uh, free throw shooting ability, even though he doesn't get to the line a crazy amount, I'd definitely like to see him get there a little bit more. Uh, he's one of the most efficient three uh, free throw shooters in the whole league with him being an 88, uh, near 88% uh, career shooter. Uh, his playmaking is something that I've kind of mixed feelings on because I think he can make the pass, but a lot of times he just chooses not to. And he definitely isn't one of those players who can make like the upper echelon passes. He's not going to make a pass that guys like Ben Simmons, Chris Paul, Luka Doncic will make, uh, but he'll make the right pass most of the time, and he's a solid enough playmaker. And yeah, overall, I just uh, think even though he can be a bit of an issue in the locker room and his injury is his injury history is definitely a problem. His defense uh, will never be good and has never been good. He is just one of the most talented offensive players that we've ever seen uh, play this game, and we cannot take that away from him at all, and we got to give him props for that. My number five point guard in the NBA is Ben Simmons. Now, he's a player who's been heavily criticized, and that is completely understandable. With his uh, lack of, not even just ability, uh, lack of willingness to even attempt to shoot anything out of the paint, I understand that completely. And you may be criticizing me for having Russell Westbrook so low, because I say a team can uh, game plan for Russell Westbrook, and we've seen that with Ben Simmons. Uh, I think that's a fair point. But Ben Simmons' uh, versatility on offense as a guy who can uh, cut to the basket, set screens, uh, can finish uh, with the best in the league with him having such incredible size. And overall, him just being a mismatched nightmare for the other team with his size as a point guard, uh, his ability to get a rebound and run the floor. He's one of the most athletic players at his size in the whole league. Like He is 6'10", 240 pounds, and is still an extremely fast player player who attacks the basket so well uh he is one of the best playmakers in the whole league he's not a player who just gets assists 
because he is a player who has the ball in his hands a lot. Like I feel like a guy like Russell Westbrook, even though he's a good playmaker, even a guy like Kyrie Irving, they're good playmakers, but a lot of the times their assists can just be uh, come from all the gravity they have as an offensive player. Ben Simmons truly is one of the best playmakers in the league and makes some really, really special passes. Uh, but the thing that definitely stood out most uh, this previous season with his uh, improvement on the defensive end, his improvement on the defensive end was something that was really, really special to watch as he's a guy who can truly guard one through five. They say that for a lot of people, but Ben Simmons is one of those rare guys that I feel like that truly applies to as he is a player who I think deserved to be in defensive player of the year conversations much more than he was. I think he'll be in that conversation next year. Uh, he is great at stealing the ball, and even though I feel like steals are a pretty overrated way to evaluate defense, that is something that he's genuinely good at. He's great at getting in passing lanes, just with that crazy length he has, and we just really saw a whole new defensive intensity, because we obviously all knew that Ben Simmons could be a great uh, defender if he wanted to be, because he always had the size, uh, always had the intangibles, but it was really just him uh, focusing fully on being a great defender, and he Ben uh, very good defenders in previous years, but this year, like I said, a defensive player of the year type defender, and that was what was really impressive about Ben Simmons this year. He was just incredible on that side of the floor. I think he's going to step up even more, and I think the value that brings to the Philadelphia 76ers went super under the radar, and we really saw that in the playoff series against the Boston Celtics, where uh, Jason Tatum was completely going off on them, even though he they had good defenders with guys like Josh Richardson or guys like Matisse Thibel. If uh, ben Simmons would have been on Jason Tatum as a Celtics fan. I would have been terrified because Ben Simmons is such an insane defender. Uh, and I just hope he doesn't even need to shoot threes. Uh, even if he just has a mid-range jump shot, which I know we say every single year, but it would just open up the game so much for him. So I really, really hope we can see that. But even if we don't see that, he's the best defending point guard in the whole league, not even close, one of the best playmakers, and elite uh, attack, at attacking the basket, one of the best athletes, a, mis a mismatch nightmare, uh, has crazy size for the point guard position, and is just a phenomenal basketball player. My number five point guard, Ben Simmons. Number four, we got a guy coming off a great season, may not statistically have had the best season, but Chris Paul, man, what an incredible season for Chris Paul. He went on the vegan diet uh, he didn't get injured at all. He seemed like he was in the best shape he'd been in in his life. And he just had an incredible season last year. Really uh, helped that OKC team make the playoffs when almost no one expected them to. I expected them to be a solid team if they kept the guys that they did. But I would have never expected them to be a playoff team, especially with Chris Paul being his old age. But he was so, so good this year. Averaged about 17 and a half. 5 and uh, 6.7 he shot the ball very very well uh, shooting 49% from the field 36.5% from 3 90.7% from the line was just so efficient in everything he did he was an absolute mid-range killer uh, late in game and really uh, showed an incredible ability to close the game for the OKC Thunder team which is something they definitely needed with them having a lot of inexperience uh, a lot of young guys on that roster. He was 
the guy who maybe didn't exactly uh, dominate throughout the first three quarters, but he was going to be there in the fourth quarter. He missed no games this season. And overall, I mean, just an incredible season from Chris Paul, man. Uh, even though his uh, assists are the lowest they've ever been in his career, I don't think that's a knock against him at all as a playmaker. He's still one of the best playmakers in the whole league. I'd have him only probably behind Luka Doncic and LeBron James. Um and yeah, he's still great on that side. It's just that uh, he had uh, multiple very, very good guards around him with uh, Shea Gilgis Alexander, Dennis Schroeder, and then playing the three point, the three uh, guard lineup. You wouldn't expect him to get as many assists, but he did everything, everything this uh, Thunder team needed. He really leaded them in a truly special way. Uh, he closed the game out for them. He carried them to the playoffs. Uh, played very good defense the entire year. He's always a guy that's going to be able to get steals. Uh, always a guy that's going to get in the passing lane. And he just plays great defense. Uh, was the closer. Uh, the Statistically, the best closer in the entire league. And overall, Chris Paul just had an insane season. Uh, his playoff wasn't the best. Uh, it was still really good, though, with him averaging 21 points. Uh, uh, 7.4 rebounds and only about five assists uh, on pretty good efficiency, not going to lie, with him shooting 49%, 37% from three. Chris Paul is just a ridiculous player. I really, really love watching Chris Paul play, and I'm glad he ha uh, had a season where he really proved a ton of people wrong. And yeah, shout out to Chris Paul on an incredible season. I expect a really good season from him next year. I really hope he gets traded to a team like the Milwaukee Bucks who could really use him even though as a Celtics fan I'd be much more scared of the Bucks uh just as a basketball fan I think that'd be a sight to see to see Chris Paul on that team because he really impacts winning basketball uh more than most players in the entire league do uh number three we have another player coming off a career year an incredible season Damian Lillard uh 30 points eight assists over 40 percent from three on a ridiculous volume this was one of the best uh high volume shooting seasons in nba history and that's not even an argument he shot 10 threes a game and shot over 40 percent that is something that i thought we could only see steph curry do but no we saw damian lillard do that this season and it was truly a sight to see uh he has the range that uh, basically anyone but Steph would dream to have with him being able to hit these deep, ridiculous shots just over and over again. And I mean, just what can I say about Damian Lillard that already hasn't been said? He was so ridiculous this season. 30 points. So efficient. Uh, again, that 10 threes a game is just ridiculous with him shooting the volume that he did. Uh, very underrated as a playmaker as well. Uh, even though he's, again, not one of those guys that's going to make like ridiculous elite passes, he's a very, very good passer, and just the gravity that he brings, uh, you have to have all your attention on Damian Lillard, because he is an absolute killer, uh, and again, just coming off an incredible season, great at getting to the free throw line, averaged almost 8 a game, and shot about 89%, uh, he was just one of the most efficient offensive players that we've seen in a long, long time uh, is he was just ridiculous. Like uh, he had a true shooting percentage of 62.7%. 
That is insane. And that just shows how efficient of an offensive player he was. Definitely had a disappointing playoffs, though. And uh, we got to criticize Damian Lillard a little bit for that. We really got to start getting on him if he has more disappointing playoff runs like this. But he was dealing with multiple nagging injuries uh, and had to put a ton of effort to carry uh, this Portland Trailblazers team to the playoffs, especially with how bad they were on the defensive end. He really had to carry them offensively and was crazy in those seeding games in the bubble. And you could really see his uh, energy diminished for sure with him averaging only 24 points, but he still almost shot 40% from three, uh, still was hitting ridiculous deep logo shots and, uh, did take a game off a ridiculous Lakers team. So definitely got to give credit to Damian Lillard on an incredible season. And number two point guard in the league. We got my guy, Luka Doncic coming off a ridiculous second year, one of the greatest uh, second seasons we've ever seen, especially with the age that he's at. He averaged 28.8 points, 9.4 rebounds, and 8.8 assists. Uh, just an absolutely incredible season from Luka Doncic. It makes me so happy to see him go off the way he did this year. Uh, his three-point shot is definitely something that took a bit of a step back uh, as he has to take just ridiculous super tough uh, shots and if he didn't take as many he'd probably just be uh, an average to slightly above average three-point shooter but with him taking that many tough shots it definitely uh, lowers his percentage I would like to see him get a bit better as a free throw shooter uh, even though he did improve this season about 76% from the line but he's incredible at getting to the free throw line he got there 9.2 times a game uh, that is so impressive even though he's not this like insane rebounder he's a very solid one and it's kind of just uh, how the Mavericks offense works where they want uh, the ball in Luka Doncic's hands as much as they uh, can so the big men usually box out when he goes in and gets the rebound and pushes the pace especially with how impressive he is as a passer it's kind of the same strategy that the Thunder uh, did years ago and uh, his passing is just beautiful man Luka Doncic is a ridiculous ridiculous passer a generational passer in my opinion the second best passer in the entire league he's so so special on that end uh it's something that is just a sight to see he throws so many ridiculous passes that only true legendary playmakers can uh he has so many good things that he does his uh, body control is one of the most impressive things in his game and it's something that I feel like goes so under the radar is his body control his balance and his strength which makes him one of the deadliest drivers in the whole league which may sound weird to people who don't really watch his game as much because he's not this athletic player who's going to dunk on people which is a lot of people have this false correlation that being super athletic uh, being a guy like LeBron, even though obviously LeBron's a ridiculous finisher, uh, being a guy like LeBron who's going to dunk on everyone and is just this insane athlete, you have to be a good finisher that way. No, Luka Doncic is slow, calculated, and incredible at finishing. He's one of the strongest players in the league, which again, sounds weird because he's not the super jacked guy, but he just uses his body. He bumps off defenders. He's incredibly crafty around the basket with him having a great Euro step. Uh, with him using fakes very effectively to either get himself baskets or throw lobs to teammates. And uh, the Mavericks are built really well around Luka Doncic to uh, 
just make him the best at what he does. And again, coming off an incredible season, uh, one of the best seasons, if not the best 20-year-old season we've ever seen. Uh, he made the playoffs, pushed a Clippers team with him having one of the best playoff games I've seen in a while with that ridiculous 40-point triple-double game winner. What what more can I say about Luka Doncic, man? Uh, really, really good season. Still has things he can work on, which is the absolute terrifying part, is that he isn't even uh, very close to a ceiling. He could become a way better three-point shooter. He could become better on the defensive end. Man, Luka Doncic is an insane player, and I expect him to dominate this league for a long, long time. Uh, number one, this is an obvious pick for me. One of the five best players in the entire league. And the number one point guard, we got Stephen Curry. Definitely coming off a weird season with him only playing five games the whole year as he dealt with some injuries. And at a certain point, they were definitely fine with not rushing him back because it just wasn't worth it at all. He only averaged uh, 20.8 points, uh, shot only 24.5% uh, from three. But that's obviously not the Steph Curry we know. We got to go based off last season, especially because this is an injury that's not going to affect him at all. It's literally just a hand injury, and I'm pretty sure it was on his offhand as well. So he's going to be completely fine, and it's going to come back and be insane this year. I'm really excited to watch the Warriors play. Uh, I think they're going to be an, a super electric team. And yeah, Steph Curry, we all know what he does. The greatest three-point shooter of all time. He's a guy uh, who can shoot damn near 12 threes a game and shoot still almost 44 percent which is just ridiculous i feel like he had a very underrated 2019 season he averaged 27 points shot 11.7 threes a game 43.7 percent uh shot 91.6 percent from the line uh he's just an insane player and uh, his gravity is something that is uh, very very important to every team he plays on as uh, he's not the best passer but there's a difference between passing and playmaking and I feel like this is a very big misconception uh, for a lot of NBA fans the difference between passing and playmaking Steph Curry is a good passer but he is one of the best playmakers in the whole league because his gravity as a shooter opens up so many things for his teammates. His ability to run off screens and get open for three is something that is really special, especially with his ability to handle the ball as well. A lot of players would be too selfish to be willing to just run off screens and run off ball, but Seth Curry knows that's what unlocks him and makes him the best basketball player that he can be. So he is willing to do that, and he's so elite at that. Uh, the most efficient offensive player of all time. Uh, and yeah, Steph Curry, ridiculous player. So excited to see him back on the court. And honestly, uh, him missing this uh, season really gave him a whole new appreciation for me. Because uh, I liked Steph Curry before, uh, but not seeing him on the basketball court made me really miss him. So I'm so excited to see him back. And he's easily my number one point guard in the whole league. I'm going to take a break and I'll be right back to do three scouting reports and then talk some NFL. Okay, I'm back to do some scouting reports. First, starting off with Reggie Perry. He's a 20-year-old, 6'10", 250-pound, power forward slash center out of Mississippi State. He averaged 17.4 points, 10.1 rebounds, and 2.3 assists on 50% from the field, 32.4% from three, and 76.8% from the free throw line. My strengths are that he's a very good rebounder. He's a high-energy player. He is great size. 
Uh, he's an NBA-ready body, very good frame. Uh, I like his uh, size and length for sure. Uh, he's a solid athlete. He makes the right pass. He has a solid shooting form and has potential uh, as a shooter, even though it's not fully there yet. Uh, he's a good finisher. He's good at getting to the free throw line. Solid, solid enough free throw shooter, especially as a big. Him shooting almost 77% is pretty impressive. And he's a good ball handler for a big. Uh, but his issues are that he gets out of control easily, which can lead to a lot of turnovers. That's something that definitely was super frustrating while watching him is that he just gets out of control way too easy and has a lot of very, very ugly, bad turnovers that uh, make you do a face palm. Uh, he's not a great rim protector either, and uh, his IQ and feel for the game is definitely something that can be put into question. Uh, he is a very athletic player. Uh, but sometimes the smart side of it is just completely not there for him. And his jump shot, uh, even though, like I said, he has solid form and it's getting there, it's uh, still in work in progress and can still uh, use some work. His uh, He gets tunnel vision way too far often, which is another thing that leads to a lot of the turnovers, it, that he just tries to barrel himself to the basket, and it's just not the right uh, basketball play a lot of times. His footwork could definitely use some uh, work too, especially in the low post. He... Uh, really isn't great down there for sure, even though he has the the size. Uh, it's another thing where he just needs to develop his skill more, needs to be uh, become more smart, refined player. And he may struggle to guard quicker sp uh, players in space with him not being the, the best lateral athlete. Uh, I have him as a top 25 to 35 prospect. I'm fitting best with the Wizards. They're uh, one of the worst rebounding teams in the NBA and they could uh, use some help in the the big men rotation uh, and he could just be a nice player that could uh, have a bit of a, an immediate impact off the bench as an energy guy I also have uh, fitting well with the Kings because they're another team who struggles with rebounding a lot and uh, bigs like Marvin Bagley have definitely had an issue with health so uh, they could use some bigs to just come in and play rotational minutes even if he's uh, not playing a ton and my comparison is a more modern Kenneth Fareed uh, we saw Kenneth Fareed actually play some good basketball with the Rockets and I think he could have that same impact and then uh, slash Julius Randle because uh, he has a lot of the same issues with Julius Randle uh, when he has those turnovers and he gets tunnel vision uh, and he gets out of control that just reminds me so much of Julius Randle and even though Julius Randle is a talented player I don't really know how much he impacts winning basketball so definitely need to see uh, Reggie Perry work on some of his issues, but he's still a talented player uh, who I think will be a decent uh, rotation big in the league for uh, years to come. Next, we got Paul Reed Jr., a player that I like quite a lot. He's a 21-year-old, 6'9", 220-pound power forward out of DePaul. He averaged 15.1 points, 10.7 rebounds, and 1.6 assists on 51.6% from the field, 30.8% from three, and 73.8% from the line. My strengths are that he runs the floor very well. He has great mobility and athleticism for his size. He's a high-energy player. He uh, is truly an elite rebounder who uh, is good at not only the fundamentals, but also has the size and the length to be a good rebounder. Uh, he has great shot blocking ability. Uh, he has very good hands that allow him to get steals. He averaged like over a steal and a half per game. He rolls to the rim well, and when he rolls to the rim, very solid finisher. That's something that's really impressive. Uh, his low post ability is pretty decent. He can also score off the dribble, which is a nice sign, as sometimes he can uh, just get the ball in like handoff situations or do like a fake handoff and go off the dribble and score. So that's something that's definitely nice. 
And yeah, like I said, his frame and his length are really impressive. He could fill out that frame with a bit more muscle and a bit more size, um, but he has a crazy long wingspan that help him in a lot of different ways, especially on the defensive end for sure. Uh, and he's shown some potential as a shooter uh, and is willing to shoot the ball. And he takes good shots for the most part. I really don't ever see him take a super bad shot, even though sometimes he may force a hook shot here or there uh, down low. But his weaknesses, uh, like I said, his shot is just potential now. And his shot is very mechanic. It doesn't seem uh, just smooth yet. Like, he has the foundation of a good jump shot, but he... It's just not fully there for him yet, and it's not something that uh, clearly comes supernatural for him. So would definitely like to see him just become a more natural shooter, and that's something that's just going to take time, and it's just going to take continued reps of him shooting and just improving as a basketball player. And he just has a lot of room to grow as a shooter. And his ball handling definitely needs improvement. Uh, that is something that can lead to a lot of turnovers. It's not even... Uh, a big issue where it's like he tries to get tunnel vision or he tries to barrel his way to the basket. He's just simply not a very good ball handler, which allows defenders to get steals in the low post or uh, when he's trying to make plays. Uh, and he does also just disappear on offense sometimes. Uh, there was multiple times where I feel like he was way too willing to just be standing like four feet away from the free throw. Uh, the three-point line having really no impact because it's not like they have to worry about him at much as a three-point shooter yet at all. Uh, and he has a tendency to have some very bad lapses on defense. Sometimes, especially on uh, off-ball, he can just get lost, and that can definitely lead to a lot of fouls. Uh, he averaged over three fouls a game. is pretty foul-prone for sure, uh, and he doesn't get to the free-throw line very often, which is something I'd definitely like to see him improve on. Uh, because with that size, with that athleticism, uh, he should be able to get there more. And he's pretty solid when he does get there. Uh, and his passing is acceptable, to, but it's nothing really special. And I really, really love passing big men. Just as a GM, I, I'm a huge uh, fan, and I'm just super enamored with uh, big men who can pass the ball very well. Even uh, backup bigs, guys like Mason Plumley, who are very good passers, I think are valuable for teams. So I would definitely like to see him get better on that end. Uh, he could uh, set better screens for sure, as he really doesn't set super hard screens and sometimes uh, just kind of stands there but doesn't really put a body on someone, uh, which is something that he can definitely work on. And he's a bit of a tweener just because his shooting isn't really there uh, yet to be a full-time four, but I don't know if he has the size either, especially with him uh, still having a lot of room to put on more uh, size and muscle to be a full-time center, so that's definitely something he can work on. And I have him as a top 25 to 35 prospect. I'm fitting best with the Hawks. He would add some nice uh, depth to that big men rotation, and he adds some defense and athleticism that is much needed, and he'd be in a limited role early in early in his career where he could develop. And if he could become a pretty decent shooter, he'd be great for the Hawks. Uh, the Timberwolves would definitely uh, use him for sure as well because they need some help at the forward position de desperately, and him and Cat would make a nice dynamic uh, in the front court with him being an athletic player who even though has... Uh, some lapses defensively that can be pretty ugly. He has the athleticism to be a good defender, has the size, and is a good shot blocker. And my comparison for him is a young Pascal Siakam uh, before he really broke out when he was just a solid role play, uh, role player, and Jeremy Grant 
both uh, two solid role players, and I think uh, Paul Reed is going to be a really nice player in the league, especially if he can develop that jump shot like Jeremy Grant. Because uh, Jeremy Grant wasn't always a shooter he is now, but if he can develop that, he's going to be really, really nice in the league. Uh, the last player we have to talk about is Xavier Tillman. He's a 21-year-old, 6'8", 245-pound forward slash center out of Michigan State. He averaged 13.7 points, 10.3 rebounds, and 3 assists on 55% from the field, 26% from 3, and 66.7% from the line. My strengths are is that he's a very good finisher, he is a good screen setter, and he rolls to the basket very well, and... Uh, those uh, that skill set makes a very good combination for him to be one of the better uh, pick and roll players in the league uh, already coming into it. Uh, he's also solid in the low post. Nothing very special, uh, but he uh, can get the ball and score down there. And he is an incredible passer for his size. Uh, his only uh, three assists that he averaged definitely doesn't do him justice for how good of a passer he is, especially out of the low post. He had multiple beautiful passes out of the low post. He had some really uh, nice times where he would just make a quick decision. Uh, he had some really nice lobs in the film that I watched from him and uh, what I read about him. He's just a very, very good passer, and that's something that impressed me a ton, so I really like to see that. He has uh, shown some potential as a stretch big, even though it's definitely uh, not very consistent yet he's a pretty good shot for him he handles the ball uh well for a big which also helps with him being such a good passer that can really make him a nice weapon on offense uh he is a very smart player on defense uh very good at just all the fundamental things like uh shot blocking even though he's not a very good vertical athlete uh his just fundamental understanding of timing uh, and where to be, uh, how to rotate well is something that definitely helps him on that end. He has a good motor, and he's just uh, a high uh, character and IQ guy who any team could use. Uh, his weaknesses, shooting, definitely still needs some improvement. Uh, really didn't show much consistency at all as a shooter. Uh, didn't even show much willingness as a shooter. And uh, the free throw shooting not being great. Uh, does worry me a little bit that his potential may just not be there. His athleticism is definitely a big worry, and that's the thing that limits him the most as a player, even though I have a lot of great things to say about him, and I really like Xavier Tillman. Uh, his athleticism is definitely scary because his uh, uh, lack of leaping ability, like I talked about with his strengths, he's uh, very good at doing all the fundamental things right. He's great at timing uh, for shot blocking, but his lack of leaping may really, really limit him as a shot blocker uh, and as a lob target for sure, which is something that definitely uh, stood out in the film that I watched is that he really wasn't much of a lob target at all because his teammates are aware that he's not a great vertical athlete and he doesn't have that vertical pop that you'd like out of a center uh, to go up and catch lobs. So uh, that's something that definitely sucks for him. And his uh, speed is something that also worries me because he's not very good at running the floor just because he is a bit of a slower player. And uh, that definitely hurts him, uh, his ability to switch in the pick and roll and to guard out in space. Uh, his uh, lateral quickness isn't very special either. Uh, he can have fouling problems sometimes, even though that's not the biggest worry. Uh, and he is a bit undersized to play the five. Uh, and overall, he, his potential is just limited due to that lack of athleticism, even though he does all the fundamental things right. He's a very smart player. 
uh, the athleticism definitely hurts him. And I have him as a top 25 to 35 prospect. I'm fitting with the Bucks because they need a better backup five. They had Robin Lopez playing that this year. And he would fit uh, their defensive system very well. He's a player who does well in drop coverage, which is something that the Bucks are known for and that they always do. So I think he would just be perfect for the Bucks. And then the Kings, they struggled with the rebounding. Uh, they need more help uh, in the rotation at the big man position. Uh, and my comparison for him is a bit of a mix of like Daniel Tice and Mason Plumlee. His size and his athleticism remind me a ton of Daniel Tice. Daniel Tice is probably a little more athletic, but their uh, size profile is very similar. And they're both just very high IQ players. And then the Mason Plumlee thing uh, definitely comes from... Uh, his passing as Mason Plumlee is one of the best passing big men in the whole league, even though he doesn't really get to show it off because he's a backup center who plays behind Nikola Jokic. Uh, but yeah, I really like Xavier Tillman, and I like those comparisons a lot. Uh, Daniel Tice, we saw from the Celtics, even though he isn't really a, a great starting center, he can be a really good backup, and I think Xavier Tillman will be either a fringe starter or a very nice rotation player in the league for many, many years to come. Next, we're going to talk some NFL Week six. First, starting off with Bears versus Panthers. The Bears are up to five and one and are now number one in their division. Uh, and I have just such weird thoughts about the Bears because even though they're five and one, this is the least convincing five and one ever. Like Nick Foles has been cool for them, but he's been nothing to write home about at all. Uh, the running game isn't really special. David Montgomery is pretty average. Uh, they do have really good receiver. A really good receiver with Allen Robinson. Jimmy Graham has been very solid for them this year. Uh, but just overall, their offense lacks a lot of explosiveness and a uh, lack of pop that could definitely uh, hurt them in the future. Uh, the defense has been uh, better than it previously was, as it was a little disappointing early in the year. Uh, but they did a really good job of getting after the quarterback in this game. Khalil Mack had a very good game. Uh, and if they can continue to get after the quarterback and just play smart on offense. They can continue to win games, but I don't really know if I trust them to be a great playoff team, but they are very solid. Uh, again, it's just a lack of explosiveness and a true just lack of like star talent for me to be super big on them. Again, they got nice players like Eddie Jackson, one of the better safeties in the league. Cleo Mack is an absolute animal. Allen Robinson, one of the best receivers in the league. Uh, they just have a lot of solid players. Uh, I think their coaching isn't great, uh, and that's something that worries me about them a little bit. But at the end of the day, they are 5-1. and one. The competition hasn't been great, uh, even though that uh, Bears, uh, the Bucks win was pretty impressive. And, I mean, on the Panthers' side, they are still 3-3, three and three, which is definitely better than I expected them to be, especially with uh, the loss of Christian McCaffrey, who was basically their entire offense last year. And Teddy Bridgewater had an atrocious game in this one, especially as a passer. He did have a couple of nice runs in there, but 16 for 29, 216 yards, two interceptions. Uh, those interceptions were very bad, and overall, he just had a pretty bad game. The offensive line was kind of getting tore apart, uh, but, I mean, uh, DJ Moore's had a pretty good season. Robbie Anderson has... Uh, had an incredible season so far for the Panthers. Definitely outperformed my expectations. And Mike Davis did have a solid game on the ground. Uh, 52 yards at a touchdown. Just overall, it wasn't a very good performance from the Panthers. After them coming off some weeks where they looked really, really good, the offense was super lackluster in this one. And Teddy Bridgewater had a very poor game. So, I mean, the Bears are 5-1. and one. Again, 
like the least convincing five and one ever. But at the end of the day, you can't take away the way they are performing. Uh, next, I want to talk about Bengals versus Colts. Uh, this was a game where the Bengals uh, got off to a very, very hard hot start as there was some fumbles. There was uh, some special team mistakes for the Indianapolis Colts, and they got up early. Uh, they scored 14 in the first quarter uh, and then only had 13 for the rest of the entire game. Uh, Joe Burrow had a cool game, uh, did have a very, very bad interception late to close out the game. That was just a play that I don't expect a guy like Joe Burrow to make. It was more the running game uh, that was very effective in this one for them as they did have all three of their touchdowns on the ground uh, and just had a variety of players running the ball. They had Giovanni Bernard running it. Uh, Tyler Boyd got a 25-yard run. Uh, Joe Mixon ran the ball 18 times. And then Joe Burrow got a rushing touchdown too. T. Higgins ran the ball. Uh, They were really just trying to mix it up in the running game. Uh, We finally saw A.J. Green have a good game after him having a super disappointing season so far. Uh, Maybe he was still dealing with nagging injuries. But again, he was just really disappointing. And he actually had a very good game in this one. Eight receptions for 96 yards. Uh, T. Higgins, the rookie, had a phenomenal game. Six receptions, 125 yards. He's starting to break out more and more. Uh, each game is and has performed really well these past couple weeks. I really like T Higgins. I like that pick for them a ton. Uh, and then I mean defensively, they didn't really do anything special. Uh, they did get an interception because they are playing against Philip Rivers at the end of the day, so you kind of expect at least one interception to happen. Uh, and Philip Rivers, even though he did throw that interception, he's gonna be a guy that just always makes a frustrating mistake basically every single game. He uh, did have a pretty decent game overall: 29 for 44, 371 yards, and three touchdowns, and uh, did lead them on a comeback uh, and help close out that game for them. Jonathan Taylor has been a very, very solid uh, rookie running back in uh, replacement of Marlon Mack when Marlon Mack's been injured uh, so far, and he. Uh, average five yards per carry on the ground with him also being uh, very good out of the backfield as a pa- as a pass catcher he got four receptions for 55 yards uh, Marcus Johnson had a really good game in this one Trey Burton had a solid game uh, definitely would like to see T.Y. Hilton be better one reception for 11 yards I love T.Y. Hilton a ton but he's been pretty disappointing so far this season and uh, they just got off to a slow start uh, but they performed way better at the end of the game. And this Colts team is just very, very solid. Uh, they're nothing super special, but I like this team. And they'll probably be a wild card playoff team if I had to guess. Uh, next, I want to talk about Falcons versus Vikings. This Vikings team is terrible. Oh my god, I expected them to be so much better than they are. Uh, Kirk Cousins threw three interceptions this game. He was atrocious. Like... Other than the interceptions, he was good, and uh, you could say two of them maybe weren't his fault, even though I'd argue it's only one of them that wasn't his fault. Uh, But other than that, he was good, but those interceptions killed uh, them for sure and really put them in a hole early, and they couldn't stop anything on defense and just had uh, zero offense without Dalvin Cook. Uh, he's basically their entire offense, and he's had a ridiculous season so far. Uh, but with him being uh, down, this offense is super lackluster. This secondary is absolutely atrocious and got tore apart. The Falcons scored 10 points every single quarter. Uh, the running game was nothing. Alexander Madison only averaged 2.6 on the ground. 
Uh, but Justin Jefferson is an absolute animal and is having a ridiculous rookie season so far. He had nine receptions for 166 yards and two touchdowns. I think that's his third over 100 receiving yard uh, game so far this season. He's just been so incredible for this Vikings team. Uh, even though this season has been really disappointing for them so far, uh, to look on the bright side, uh, he's been a phenomenal pick. I expected him to be really good in a stacked receiver class. He did slide a little bit farther than I expected him to. But yeah, he's just been incredible uh, for this Vikings team so far. And uh, basically everything uh, outside of him and Dalvin Cook has been really disappointing so far this season. And the Falcons looked way, way better in this one. Uh, Matt Ryan, 30 for 40, 371 yards, four touchdowns. Uh, really just didn't make any mistakes and played some really good football out there. The running game wasn't really special, uh, but the passing game was just so incredible in this one. Uh, he was really, really impressive. And then Julio Jones went off, eight receptions, 137 yards, two touchdowns. Uh, he was finally healthy in this game, and he's just an absolute animal. Uh, Calvin Ridley had a solid one, and that duo of him and Calvin Rid Ridley is really, really special. They just make such a crazy dynamic duo when they're healthy as a receiver. So I really like watching that. Uh, and this defense was a lot better. Uh, they did get the three interceptions, even though at the end of the day, sometimes those are bad mistakes from Kirk Cousins. you got to give credit for the defense uh, to for uh, capitalizing on those mistakes and making good plays. Uh, A.J. Terrell got an interception, which is nice to see. Uh, Deion Jones got an interception. So did Voisan Luukan. Uh, and they did get some uh, pressure on the quarterback. Uh, nothing really special as far as sacks, but they were just uh, really good this game. Uh, had an impressive one after being super disappointing. And even though they are 1-5, in five, it's not like they're getting blown out super bad in any games. It's more just uh, their ability to control the clock and control leads. That's been the biggest issue for them. So I, if they can figure that out, they can be a solid team because this offense has the potential to be so explosive when they're healthy. So, yeah. Uh, next, I want to talk about Ravens versus Eagles. The Eagles did end up losing in this one, but they stormed back in the fourth quarter after being terrible for the first two quarters uh, and made it uh, uh, really made it a game. They were a two-point conversion away from tying the game. Carson Wentz, uh, this is one of the games where even though his style line isn't very good, I really can't blame much of this on him. Uh, he had two just terrible drops from his receivers that really, really uh, hurt him in this one. Uh, Miles Sanders had a wide-open uh, touchdown in the end zone and dropped it. Uh, someone else, I don't exactly remember who it was, uh, also had a really bad drop on a third and 21 that would have allowed them to convert and keep the drive alive. Uh, but Miles Sanders, I mean, other than that, did have a good game, had nine carries for 118 yards. Uh, and... The biggest thing that is plaguing this Eagles team is these injuries are killing them. Uh, Carson Wentz is yet again throwing to nobodies. Uh, and then the offensive line is a huge issue as well as uh, Carson Wentz has been sacked a ton. Just pressure is always on him. And even though uh, a lot of the times he is making mistakes, I'm not trying to make an excuse for him at all because he's... Uh, a lot of the times he's way too talented to be doing some of the things that he is. But at the end of the day, uh, you got to put context into everything. And sometimes they're just putting him in terrible situations. Uh, but on the bright side, Travis Fulgham 
uh, is having a great season so far for them as he's been a huge uh, steal. I'm pretty sure he was undrafted and they got him. So, yeah, he's been really good. He had six receptions for 75 yards and a touchdown. Uh, that touchdown catch he did have was really nice. And Zach Ertz has been so disappointing so far this season. He had four receptions for 33 yards on 10 targets. He just looks slow out there. He looks he looks terrible, to be totally honest. He looks absolutely terrible. The fumbling was definitely an issue. Uh, they fumbled the ball four times in this game. Uh, and you just don't want to see uh, such a big lead built up on them. Because even though they had a magical fourth quarter where they almost... Uh, pushed a Ravens team into overtime. Uh, you can't dig yourself that deep of a hole most of the time. And I hated, absolutely hated that two-point conversion call. They tried to do like a read option. Uh, and I just felt like that was such a bad call. Uh, because Carson Wentz went on a streak where he was throwing some beautiful balls. Uh, he was just throwing dimes out there. So I would just put the ball in uh, the hands of the player who's killing it and uh, put all your trust into him but they tried to do that run play again just really really didn't like that one I think that's super regrettable for them and I just think that's a massive mistake but it is impressive the way they ended up uh, nearly trying to fight back and then on the Ravens side uh, this was more of just a game where they relied on the run even though it wasn't great Lamar did have a huge running play he had nine carries for 108 yards and a touchdown uh, he only passed the ball 27 times and only had 186 yards and a touchdown uh, J both J.K. Dobbins uh, and Gus Edwards really weren't effective especially Gus Edwards he had 14 carries for only 26 yards and Mark Ingram had limited carries as he's been dealing with some injuries this year, so they're probably just easing him back. He only had five carries. Uh, and even though, again, the Ravens won the game, they're a team that I just don't feel super confident in really at all. Uh, just due to them not having a very explosive offense, it's like Lamar Jackson is phenomenal. He's improved a ton as a passer, and we all know what he does uh, on the ground. But he really doesn't have a great number one receiver. Uh, Mark Andrews has been so disappointing so far this season after having an incredible season last year. He's really just not had that same impact on the game. And even though they're a good defense, they're well coached, and they got talent, uh, I'm still not super confident in the Ravens. But it was nice to see the Eagles fight back and make this a game as it looked like it was going to be a blowout. Uh, next game I want to talk about. This is a very, very ugly one. Browns versus Steelers. This one was one I was really really looking forward to it the Browns had looked so so good to start the season but they came out and just laid an absolute egg looked terrible lost by 31 points against a division rival uh, and their two losses have both been against division rivals so that's really going to hurt them uh, Baker Mayfield had a very bad game maybe he was still affected by the injury he was dealing with he was questionable going into the game uh, but he threw two interceptions, and that interception he had uh, to make a Fitzpatrick where they got the pick six was just absolutely atrocious. He threw just a terrible ball. Uh, like, he was right there. It's, it's the thing with Baker Mayfield is that it's frustrating because he has talent. He's a talented kid, but he just so many times makes terrible mistakes that make you so frustrated because you know he has talent and he has weapons around him. It's just the mental side of football that a lot of the times he messes up on and that can really, really hurt him. And we've seen that multiple times this year. 
Uh, Odell didn't really have a great impact on the game. Uh, Kareem Hunt wasn't nearly as electric as he's been in uh, past weeks. As the Steelers' run defense is really impressive uh, and definitely helped to slow them down. And overall, it was just an atrocious performance by the Browns. They couldn't stop anything on defense. They couldn't do anything on offense. The offense was just so, so bad. They put Case Keenum in when the game was over uh, just because Baker Mayfield was dealing with some injuries. And, yeah, it was it was awful. And it was, it was sad to watch, to be totally honest, because I really wanted a good game. Uh, but it just wasn't at all. Ben Roethlisberger had a cool game in this one. They really didn't throw the ball much as they got up uh, very early, and they just ran the ball, controlled the clock, uh, did exactly what you would want to do. is pit- pitcher-perfect execution uh, when you're up by that much. He j- just threw the ball 22 times, had 162 yards and a touchdown. He's just been very good th- so far this season. James Conner had a great game, 20 carries, 101 yards and a touchdown. Uh, Chase Claypool had another touchdown on the ground. I really like uh, their involvement of Chase Claypool in the running game. Benny Snell also had a rushing touchdown. And then Chase Claypool has been incredible at receiver so far. Four receptions for 74 yards. Uh, he is really, really breaking out and has had a rookie season that has surprised me a ton as he is a player who I knew could be good uh, just because of that incredible size he has. He's built like a tight end, but I didn't know if his athleticism would be enough to beat NFL defenders. I didn't uh, know if his route running was polished enough, but he's just been ridiculous as a jump ball receiver, and every week he's getting better at getting open, and he's just been so impressive so far this season. James Washington had a nice uh, deep touchdown where he, uh, he had 68 yards and a touchdown on the game. The defense was so impressive. Uh, uh, Mika Fitzpatrick did have that pick six, even though I mean, that wasn't really even a great play by him. It was just a terrible throw by Mika Fitzpatrick, uh, uh, by Baker Mayfield, I meant. But was what was really impressive was their ability to get after Baker Mayfield. Uh, they put so much pressure on him, and he's a guy who just does struggle with pressure, simple, simply enough. Uh, Bud Dupree got two sacks. Cameron Sutton got one. Uh, Devin Bush and stuff on two. Each got half a sack, and they were just doing great at getting pressure on him. And this Steelers team is so impressive. Uh, I'm, I was a little bit critical just because they really didn't face anybody, but this Browns team looked good so far, and even though they were dealing with some nagging injuries, they demolished them. The defense looked better as uh, it was a little disappointing to start the year, to be completely honest, but they looked great in this one. Uh, a big loss for them, though, is that Devin Bush is going to be out for the rest of the season. Prayers up to him. Hope for a speedy recovery. A super, super talented young player. Uh, and that's definitely going to be a big loss to that defense. But they do still have talent. Uh, and, yeah, the Steelers team has just been phenomenal so far this season. Got to give them all the credit in the world. Uh, they are looking like truly one of the best teams uh, in the entire NFL, and you really can't even make an argument uh, against them. Uh, the next game I do want to talk about is Texans versus Titans. This was a really, really good one, as it looked like the uh, Texans were actually going to pull out a win. I meant the Titans were going to just destroy them uh, because they were up by a good bit early, uh, but the Texans came storming back and were scarily close to uh, beating a very good Titans team. Deshaun Watson was incredible, 335 yards and four touchdowns. The running game wasn't great, but wasn't terrible either. Will Fuller went off. Uh, Darren Fells had a great game. Brandon Cooks was great. 
just overall, this offense was so, so explosive and looked incredible. They couldn't stop anything on defense to save their life, that's for sure. Uh, but on offense, they were just absolutely ridiculous in this one. Uh, and we really saw Deshaun Watson's first great game, which was something I was looking forward to seeing a ton. Uh, I really wasn't blaming him for like uh, not being super great, just because he was put under super un, uh, unfortunate circumstances with all the just bad things that have happened to this organization, the terrible trades, the terrible offensive line, uh, but he was really special in this one. Ryan Tannehill, we got to start putting Ryan Tannehill as one of the best quarterbacks in the league. Uh, I know usually he doesn't uh, throw the ball too much, but he is so, so good and has really had a really just inspiring comeback story. Uh, he had 364 yards, four touchdowns, did have an interception, but he was still incredible this game. Uh, the defense looks way worse than it did against that Bills team, but this offense was so electric. Derrick Henry had 212 yards and two touchdowns. He had that crazy 90, I think it was four-yard rushing touchdown. That was ridiculous. Uh, A.J. Brown had two touchdowns. He was so, so good. And Derrick Henry just closed out the game for them. The second they got that ball on the toss, I had full confidence that the Titans were going to win this game. And uh, even though their defense is something to worry about, this offense look, looks electric. And the Titans have been incredible so far this season. You can't take anything away from this team. They've been so, so impressive. Next one I want to talk about was a really, really uh, exciting one for me, which was Buccaneers versus Packers. Now, while it was a blowout, I was so excited to see the Buccaneers really have an incredible performance in this one. Tom Brady wasn't even special at all. Only threw the ball 27 times, 166 yards and two touchdowns, but did make some beautiful throws in there and was just efficient with everything he did. Didn't make many mistakes. And uh, they just relied on their running game as they got up big early. They had a crazy second quarter, scored 28 points in that one. Ronald Jones has been really good so far this season. I did not expect him to be this good at all, but he's been incredible for them so far. He had 113 yards, two touchdowns on 23 carries. He's been one of the better running backs in the league. And I just think that also kind of just shows like how replaceable the running back position is because he's a guy that I really didn't even know much about. And he's been like insane for them this season. So uh, yeah. And then Rob Gronkowski has had two very, very good back-to-back games. And it makes me so excited to see him starting to get some rhythm. He had five receptions for 78 yards and a touchdown. Uh, the Brady to Gronk connection on his first touchdown as a Buccaneer was something that, as a lifelong Patriots fan, uh, was just beautiful for me to see and honestly made me so happy. Uh, it's so nice to see Gronk starting to perform well, especially uh, with O.J. Howard being out for the year. Gronk is going to need to step up, so if he can continue to play like this, uh, that'll be great for them. Chris Godwin is finally back, and he was nice for them. Mike Evans uh, only got uh, one reception, but again, it wasn't the passing game. It was the running game on the offense, and then what stood out for this Buccaneers team the most was the defense. The defense was absolutely ridiculous. They've 
looked like by far the best defense in the NFL, had two interceptions, got a ton of pressure on Aaron Rodgers, had five sacks, was just making everything super, super difficult for Aaron Rodgers to deal with. And uh, the biggest issue for this Buccaneers uh, defense was the penalties. That has been something that held them back a ton because uh, everything else they had down pat on defense and were ridiculous at. So with them not committing many penalties at all in this game, if they can continue to do that, the NFL needs to be terrified of this Buccaneers team because they performed incredible this game. Uh, the linebacking core for this line uh, for this team is so amazing. Devin White and Levante David make up the best linebacker tandem in the entire league. Uh, Levante David had a sack and a half. Devin White had a sack. They had combined uh, five tackles for loss. They, they're just everywhere on the field. They really, really uh, stopped Aaron Jones completely after he's been going off this season. Uh, just overall, they did everything right on defense. This young secondary, which is a bit unproven, looked very solid. And then the pat it was just the pass rush, the the linebacking play, and the defensive play calling. Uh, you got to give a ton of credit to this uh, defense, and they've just been so impressive so far this season. Uh, I'm really really excited for uh, what the Buccaneers' future holds. Uh, as long as Chris Godwin can stay healthy, as long as Gronk can keep performing, uh, this team is terrifying. Because uh, if they have the penalties down, which hopefully this is a sign of what uh, things are to come then yeah you got to be really really worried if you're any team that has to face this Buccaneers team because they are special and they had a great performance uh, and then on the Packers side we saw Aaron Rodgers worst game in a very long time had a, 160 yards two interceptions uh, he was just flat out bad this game uh, they really really made things uncomfortable for him uh, he couldn't rely on his running game at all and then uh, even though he's obviously he's incredible like it's Aaron Rodgers he's one of the most talented quarterbacks to ever play the position uh, they did uh, basically the perfect job of doing everything you can to stop Aaron Rodgers put pressure on him limited his running game and just played an incredible defense uh, Aaron Jones 10 carries 15 yards and a touchdown uh, was very very bad super limited by uh, this Buccaneers defense and didn't even get that involved in the passing game, which is something he's been really good at. Overall, it was just uh, the perfect storm for the Packers to lose. They performed the worst they had all year, and then the Buccaneers performed the best they had all year. Blowout, and I'm uh, really excited about this Buccaneers team. I like them a ton. They have a lot of players that I like, so if they can keep, keep performing like this, I'm going to be very, very excited about them. Last game we're going to talk about is Broncos versus Patriots. Of course, got to talk about this as a Patriots fan. Uh, this was a very, very bad look for this Patriots team. Now, first, I want to put context to why uh, they lost this game. They had only practiced three times in the last 16 days. Cam Newton contracted COVID-19. Uh, and even though I'm not saying those as an excuse, those are just legitimate reasons and uh, legitimate context that you have to put when talking about this game. But actually talking about the game, they were atrocious. Cam Newton had a very bad game, 157 yards, two interceptions, absolutely unacceptable performance from him. He's got to be better. Uh, but at the end of the day, his receivers got to get open for him too. 
the running game, other than Cam Newton having a big, a big rushing play, was basically non-existent. He did have a touchdown on the ground. Uh, but, yeah, the running game was just nothing this game. And then his highest receiving player was his running back, James White. Uh, the Patriots may have one of the worst receiving uh, and tight end combinations in the entire league. Nikhil Harry didn't even have a single reception this game. Uh, and there was just no separation for any of these Patriots receivers. Cam Newton was uh, trying to hold on to the ball and trying to uh, wait till players get open, but just no one was getting open for him. And he's not an elite enough quarterback as far as uh, his throwing accuracy to like throw receivers open at, all the time. Like Julian Edelman only had two receptions for eight yards on six targets. Uh, the passing game, again, just atrocious, unexcusable, and they played a very, very bad game, and people got to get open. Uh, we can't rely on Cam Newton running this much because he uh, could very well get hurt. We can't rely on Julian Edelman having to throw these trick plays. Uh, it's a bad look. Like Cam Newton fumbled twice, too. Uh, it was just one of the worst offensive games that I've seen the Patriots play in probably ever since I've started watching the Patriots. Like, it was bad, uh, and they just simply have to be better because this Broncos team isn't very good. Uh, Drew Locke didn't have a good performance. He had two interceptions in his comeback game. Uh, but some of the times, it really wasn't his fault at all as he threw some really good balls that were just dropped uh, by the receivers. Uh, but Philip Lindsay did run all over this Patriots defense. He had 23 carries for 101 yards. Tim Patrick had four receptions for 101 yards. And just overall, I'm super disappointed in this Patriots team. And even though I'm not super worried, because again, I talked about the context of this game. There's very, very valid reasons why the Patriots lost this. They still played a bad team who's uh, dealing with a ton of injuries and couldn't do anything on offense. Uh, so it is a little worrying as a Patriots fan, but uh, I'm not terrified. Just need to see him be better, and I need the Patriots to try and at least make some move for a receiver a tight end. Uh, but, yeah, that's been the episode of the Under Pressure Podcast. Hope you enjoyed this one. I'm really proud of this one. And, yeah, it's been Michael. Peace out.